0: Doo, doo, ooh. It's time to ride the funk train. Now, listen here, folks. This is Funk Master V of the TV show Wrestling with Ghosts. I'm a pro wrestler. I'm a booty shaker. I'm a lip smacker. And let me tell you, I love independent television. Now, Cat here at Paranormal Heart is letting me talk to you for a second about Psy Television. A S Y television look it up soon it will be on roku fire stick apple tv and online for a cheap low price you can watch hundreds and hundreds of shows including scary shows like my own wrestling with ghosts or food shows like go there eat that best day ever the ufo show with amy dumas the list goes on and on it's TV.com check it out now asytv
1: Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard.
2: Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart. I am your host, Cat Ward. You can find me on the second and last Sunday of each month on Podbean and YouTube. You can also find me on sparkradionet.org, New Lantern Media Network, and anywhere you find fine podcasts. If you enjoy the show, please show your support by telling others about me. Hit that like button, share, subscribe, and follow. Well, folks, here in Canada, it's Thanksgiving weekend. And my household smells amazing with the delicious aroma of turkey slowly cooking. I can't wait. So happy Thanksgiving to those of you who celebrate it. This episode's shout out goes to you amazing listeners in Guam. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate you all. In episode 45, my special guest is an intuitive, sensitive, and shamanic practitioner who provides shamanic healing as well as paranormal consulting and he tells us about his journey that led him to shamanism. I introduce to you Leslie J. Hart. Hello, Les. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Hi, Kat. Thanks for having me.
2: I'm really, really happy that uh, the audio finally decided to uh, cooperate. It uh, seems every time I record an episode, I always have uh, audio issues for whatever reason. But here mm-hmm. we are now, finally.
1: I'm glad it's worked out.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I had to take out my piece of selenite and all is well. (laughs) It's kind of strange. (laughs) Oh well. So you have some uh, interesting, you and I had a nice long chat the other night, and um, very interesting and I couldn't wait to start recording this. So please tell us about yourself and uh, what you do and any experiences you've had.
1: Okay, like I said before, I almost wish we recorded our first talk because that seemed to flow real easy, so no pressure right <laughs> <laughs> uh, well uh yeah my my name obviously Leslie Hart and i'm I'm a shamanic practitioner. I've been doing that for a little about eleven years, I guess um, I uh, yeah, I started traveling, uh, around 2010 to, uh, Alberta, Canada and working with a group called, uh, Kamapi. And so they're, they're my, uh, my mentors, my teachers, uh, Marvin, Shannon Harwood there that pretty much is, uh, where I got my start from. Although, uh. Elaine Lejoy, I, I, I have to credit you for pointing me in the right direction. She's another shaman, and she's located out in uh, Portland, Oregon. And uh, yeah, um, can
2: you tell us a little bit about uh, what exactly shamanism is?
1: Well, that's a <clears throat> that's a big topic, and. and uh, <laughs> um, I'll do my best uh, because there's probably lots of lots of perspectives and lots of takes on what shamanism is and isn't. But uh, I can tell from what I know, shamanism is probably mankind's oldest uh, spiritual practice. It likely, like, predates anything like witchcraft or uh, any any of the any of the other magical or or um, kinds of, of uh, spiritual work? Um, and I, I only I say that because it i I believe it's the um, like the core or the root of from which all things kind of uh, sprung from. And you know, we can we can find uh, evidence of of shamanic practices. Uh, dating back over 20,000 years so um, what it the word sometimes shamanism can sometimes create uh, especially among some indigenous groups they might find the word uh, object to the word and and not want their uh, ceremonialist or their medicine person referred to as a shaman but but it's a it's a catch-all word and um basically it's, it's referring to uh those people who either were the, the spiritual spiritual leaders the the ceremonialist or the uh the medicine person and and this is like worldwide so you know you find it in every culture every indigenous culture around the world um and they just and it just comes down to they'll have their own word for this person, uh, and, but what what this person does is pretty much kind of universal right? um, yeah. So
2: sh- um, shamanism and because as I had mentioned the other day, I, I'm sorry my dog's little toes are ticking on the floor yep. there. <laughs> um, as I told you the other day, I didn't know a whole lot about uh, shamanism, um, but I do know some people always would say that shamans and medicine people are the same, so they're not?
1: No, I would say, I would say they are. Um, it's just when you talk to members of any, any indigenous group, they have their own word, they have their own name for the, for the person who is the medicine person, you know, who works on, on spirit level to, to heal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that person may also be a ceremonialist, or maybe that's a separate position, you know, depending on how, how things are run. But I'm, I'm just saying that, <clears throat> that that word itself sometimes, uh, some people, some circles may object to it because it's, it's not specific to any one group. It's, it's a universal term. Okay. And shamanism in general, it, it, we're talking about <clears throat> animism, working with animal totems, animal spirits, um, it's, it's very earth-based, uh, you're talking about the what we call the journey, so it's like a guided meditation that is universal uh, within the shamanic practices. And it's through the, through this journey that information's obtained, um, work is done on different levels, energy levels. Um, So yes, that part of it, it it doesn't matter where you go in the world or what tribe you're talking to, and they know what you're talking about. They just may not like, it's like, no, our person's called this, and it's like, okay.
2: So it's the same thing. Just they would use different words for it. Pretty much,
1: um, and I would say that you know there's the modern day shamans or Western shamans who, who like myself, didn't uh, didn't grow up within a, a community, an indigenous community, and didn't begin uh, training until later in life. Mm. Um, and that can be um, it's unfortunate in a way because I think people like myself who um, who come to shamanism, especially later in life, it's like we didn't have the guidance uh, from, uh, at a young age and it, though anyone can practice it, there are those who get called to it and um, For example, with myself, when I was little, I used to have dreams of um, bears, and the bears were always trying to get me, and I was always afraid of the bear, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's just a a recurring dream or nightmare that would go on on and off throughout my life. And I've later discovered that that type, particular dream would have been an indication that, hey, this person being called you know so let's help them let's not let them keep suffering <laughs> you know with uh-huh. nightmares about being mauled to death by bears you know <laughs> so and and actually to see the bear in a different way as a like an ally like a, it's there to to work it wants to to teach us something
2: so was the bear in your dream you thought was trying to chase you but was he trying to just make you realize that you have a calling, and he was trying to get you to go with them. Would that be accurate to say, or am I totally off the mark?
1: No, I, <clears throat> I think, um, like myself, if I shared that dream when I was younger, and if I was in, like, an indigenous community, someone <coughs> probably would have recognized the dream and mm-hmm. the recurring nightmare and say, well, we, we know what this is, and and it's not just a, a random, nightmare it means something so let's let's start you know helping this young person so they're not because I you know as a kid you don't I don't know what that's about I understand looking back at it I I feel that it was a significant part of being called to this but I never knew Um, I just knew I was terrified
2: that would be terrifying as a child and not having the the right people around you to explain to you what was going on
1: yeah, and bears bears are scary just in general. <laughs> <laughs> they, are. they really are. So. <laughs> they're
2: cute but they're scary. <laughs> oh
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> we uh in my town here we have uh, lots of black bear and uh they walk around uh every once in a while you'll see one on the on the main the main street here. Uh last month uh there was a big uh, announcement going around saying the street next to mine parallel to mine uh, there were bear sightings, so they're telling people to make sure you watch your children and your pets, and you know, uh, don't approach them. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, yeah, they uh, they can be pretty scary.
1: Another saying that's in the shamanic community, especially, uh, I would say, like I don't know, like the Western shamanic community. It's like they refer to it as like the path of the wounded healer. So, in other words, when you're called to to be a shaman. Um, sometimes, like your life just gets upended. Um, some, some people become really sick. They almost have like a near-death experience. Other people, th- there's always some, some kind of tragic events, tragedy that happens, and um, it kind of uh, cuts you off from your, your, your old life. So it's like the bridge has been burned and you know like there's no you can't go as much as you, you want to you can't go back and i mentioned to you for me um, back in 09 i had lost my son and uh, so that changed my world and, and then a little while after <clears throat> i lost my career uh, as a firefighter which is the two things that i define myself as you know mm-hmm. i was a dad and i was a firefighter now those two the, the two major things that defined me were now like I was no longer either, really, you know. I mean, I'll always be my, it's my son Tim's dad, but I mean, he's not here. So I, that role has changed. And mm-hmm. firefighting was a huge part of how I define myself. That was gone. So now I was like, well, who am I now? I don't know. You know? And those were really dark times for me. So in my searching for how am I going to go forward uh, through a, a kind of a bunch of really cool synchronicities, I got guided to shamanism and I kind of credit this spiritual path to, to kind of saving my life at the time because you know it, I, I can only tell you that was like the, the darkest time of my life and I, I didn't know how I was going to go forward and I didn't know if I even really wanted to back then.
2: It's a good thing that you were uh, looking to de- redefine yourself and uh, and found this path.
1: I feel really lucky and blessed, and it's opened up. Uh, it's changed my life. Well, I mean, the events, of course, changed my life, but mm-hmm. trombinism has changed my life, and um, it's... You know, for my friends and family, they may kind of, well, I'm not the same in a way, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, they may think he's a little nuts now or a little crazy, (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not doing the the normal things that everyone does or used to do, you know? Mm -hmm. it's 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 difficult sometimes to even explain what is it that I'm doing or what is this about and um, you know it, it sometimes would would you know be some jokes or some funniness in the family or like you know he's doing that or this but um, it also uh, set me on this adventure and I started traveling uh, all around the country. Up uh, back and forth to canada i've been to so many places and with the path and with the learning and, and, and attending as many workshops and classes as i could there's always been experiences and, and so i i feel like i might have like <clears throat> a great deal of supernatural experiences or what have you just because of the path that mm. i've chosen to be on or it chose me or whatever and and the places that i have gone to visit. So there's, there's been a ton of different things that have, that have happened along the way.
2: Do you feel that perhaps you, you mentioned um, uh, the wounded warrior um, do you think perhaps if you would have been raised in a community where they had shamans and medicine people that perhaps the tragedies that made you take a different path maybe those wouldn't have occurred?
1: That's a great question. Um, what immediately comes to my mind is I had watched a, uh, a video on YouTube and it's about, I think it's called A Real Shaman, or, or the title. And so if you look for like a real shaman, or a, it's about an Inuit shaman and so it's even subtitled so whatever language they eskimos or or those they speak Uh, a a couple people doing the documentary went there and they interviewed him and in their culture uh, even before he was born they knew he was going to be a shaman like they knew Hmm. i don't know how (laughs) they but they knew and they and he started talking about certain taboos and like it his mother, you know, she couldn't eat or have certain things, and when he was born, there were other taboos about the foods he would eat, and all these little rules, uh, you know, things that um, almost seem like superstitions, but he explained that these these taboos or rules, whether they seem kind of like crazy, like don't do this on a certain day, but um, that they actually worked, right? and... and The point of of me bringing up him is when I listen to his story there's a lot of things that happen uh, to both of us Mm. saying the same thing so this shaman he he talked he also lost his son
0: Mm.
1: and you know you can even in the interview he was still you you know very emotional talking about it and in his culture when um, he talked about little people and they were kind of like spirit helpers, but I think he could actually see them in, uh, on our plane hmm. and so and you'll find uh, little people I mean that's kind of almost cross culture these Celtic traditions the uh, very gnome realm indigenous uh, Native Americans they all talk about little people whatever whatever they are exactly so when he lost his son, he lost his ability to see the little people. He lost his gifts.
0: Hmm.
1: He went into a really dark space. And, he, and then he talks about like after however much time grieving could have been years, he said that they, he started to see them again, and he was like you know like dancing is like joy, joy,
0: hmm.
1: and so to me that 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 meant that. His vibration, his energy, his you know depression and the, the pain, lowered his vibration to such a point where he, he he was apart, and he thought that they had left him, they abandoned him. But it was, because his vibration, he was in so much suffering that, he was apart from the spiritual realms. He was apart from his gifts, and it wasn't until joy and happiness came back into his being, then suddenly he could. Uh, you could see them again and that's like and then they were back you know and and so were his his gifts
2: that's really interesting because I've I have heard of people losing their gifts um, over tragedies before and then after they were in a better place and they were able to get their um, their abilities back and that makes sense because of the vibration shifted so like you said the little people they didn't abandon him he just he was just at a different level and didn't see them that's really interesting
1: it is and you know, i think of the little people as just like one aspect of the the whole variety of spiritual beings and, and ways that we might receive message and messages from all, all kinds of different areas and to my knowledge and from what I understand, you know, the spirit realm operates on a higher frequency, a higher vibration than we do as humans. And if we're so sad and so heartbroken and, and so then we just sink into a lower space, it's like the other side may be trying desperately to help us, but, you know, they can only lower that vibration to a point. It's up to us to kind of bring ourselves back up to to meet somewhere in the, you know, in the between.
2: That's a good way of explaining it I like Thanks. that it uh it 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 enables someone to uh, understand it a little bit better hmm. can you um tell us about some of the um, forgive me if I'm not using the correct terminology um uh, I can't even think of the word now um, sorry the um I'm gonna to have to edit this part because <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the word.
1: Um, what are you searching for? Uh,
2: I wish you could just go into my mind so you could see what I'm trying to envision. Ceremonies.
1: That's it. Ceremonies. Yes, because we—I had jotted down <clears throat> to talk about uh, maybe ceremonies and rituals and also animals yes. and how they play into shamans, right? Because that's indeed. You can't separate animals from shamanism really
2: mm. well like I told so, you the other day that's I always uh, pictured shamanism and, and animals just they automatically go hand in hand
1: absolutely it's I would love to I, I wish uh, I don't know how long we have to talk because there's <laughs> there's parts There, there's these subjects that are to me they're they're exciting and I just want to like explore it even further you know um, so is it that um you want, to t- you want to talk about the ceremonies at this moment?
2: Sure, yes, um, please. Um, c-
1: ceremonies and ritual. Mm-hmm. Well, ceremony and ritual, um, that's, that's where you get a lot, um, where you get specific often to a, a, a certain region of the world, a certain tribe, uh, a Certain group of indigenous people because they all have their own unique uh, ceremonies and their own you know unique rituals. Um, I'm I'm dear to well what's dear to me is in, uh, a lot of Plains Indian Native American traditions. Uh, and just that I've always that's where my teachers um, I mentioned in our other conversation they they spent 15 years with two Blackfoot elders. Hmm. And what an opportunity. And those two elders, they were sharing with my teachers because at the time, uh, there wasn't a great interest uh, by the, the people in the old ways. And they knew that if they didn't share a lot of these this knowledge, that it would be lost forever. Right? So my my areas of, of that I'm most familiar with would be Plains Indians specifically that this come through the Blackfoot line the Blackfoot Indian and South American Peruvian shamanism so um, as far as ceremony like in the in I'll talk more about the Peruvians who come from the Andes and there's Alberto Volaldo who is kind of credited with bringing uh, that type of shamanism to the Western world, and he, he has the Four Winds uh, Society, which has really, uh, really spread uh, the the foundation and and kind of really explained to a, a Western audience what shamanism is about and all the teachings. He's adapted it, so a lot of it isn't traditional, but uh, one. Let's say one ceremony, for example, that's really big with the Peruvian shamans is called a despacho ceremony.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so in a despacho, uh, at the center of it is usually like an apple and they us say a tiki or a, you know, a sana, And then they put, if you cut an apple in half, you, you see like a star, right? and so everything's got this symbology and then within the apple they place some pretty flowers mm-hmm. uh, and this is laid out on like some construction paper like plain wrapping paper but construction mm-hmm. paper whatever yep. and so <clears throat> from that from that center they will uh, they will build out from that using uh, lots of candies and cookies and sweets and the, uh, the dispatcho is always uh, divided into hemispheres of the masculine and the feminine they're always balancing the masculine and feminine energies and it's everything to do with the elementals everything to do with the earth so you, they'll incorporate uh, mamakocha the, the, the water um, the uh, koichi the, the rainbow so rainbow for the Peruvians is a, is a, this wonderful protection, right? And they'll they'll incorporate like uh, cotton for like clouds, and it, so as they're building this, uh, it, it it's almost like levels of um, like world levels, like it, you could think of like an underworld, the middle world, which is the earth, and, and the higher world, which is spirit. And if you look at the dispatcher with Kind of goes up on levels and everything is based on, on the mother earth being the feminine and the Apus, the mountains uh, being the masculine side of things um, they use coca leaves and llama fat and you you, you blow your intentions your prayers you, uh, whatever it is that you wish to to that you wish for someone's health or you, you you're asking for something for yourself you blow it into the, uh, into the coca leaves, the kintu, and then they're placed in this arrangement. And it, it just grows. And there's all the um, all the candies and sweets are for Pachamama. Apparently, she has a sweet tooth because there's, <laughs> I mean, there's everything, all these cookies and things. It's like a feast. Um, and so at when this ceremony is concluded, you know, they say, take pictures, you know, and it's it's a happy time, and they might blow, uh, do a few flute songs, and, and blow a conch shell, and ring bells, and and so all, whoever's attending it, all these prayers are put into the dispatcher, and then it's folded up. Um, the ones, the people who are present, they'll kind of do a cleaning thing where you get wiped down, and, and like any bad hucha, any negative energy, you know, that that the giving it to dispatcher cuz negative energy in in this tradition is like this is food for mother earth she's just going to eat it up oh so nice you got heavy energy she wants it it's hmm. you know you think who wants that crap but mother earth you know she's going to you
0: know,
1: transmute it so clean yourself up with with the dispatcher and then it's <clears throat> almost always followed by a fire ceremony there is one where you can bring it to like water, but usually fire is the primary way um, or the next step. And so you bring it to fire, and when it burns, it's like then all that all those prayers and and all the intentions that were put into it are released. Uh, the The food is released to for the the earth to consume and the prayers are released in this beautiful fire ceremony and it's a celebration so I mean and that's just one ceremony but it's uh, it's a beautiful ceremony and that's pretty integral to that tradition right? hmm.
2: um, how long they, will that ceremony generally last
1: well the show might take maybe an hour an hour to put it together you know, depending mm. on how big group of people and everybody wants to bring their prayers into the mix, and they receive blessings during it. You know, but it's a happy, uh, a happy celebration, and it and it can be. And sometimes they they coincide with different. You know, it could be a solstice, it could be an equinox, it could be whatever you need to celebrate. and then the uh, what's created with the flowers and the design. You know. Uh, there's hundreds of different ones, but the foundation, the core of it, is is always this elemental and this balancing of the masculine and the feminine. It's it's you know, so, no matter what it ends up looking like, you can always see there's certain things that are always going to be part of it. So it's a beautiful tradition.
2: After, the, the um, get, uh, what what did you call it again when they put everything together? In the construction paper
1: yeah if so that's called a dispatcher that dispatch okay dispatcher.
2: do they burn and that you,
1: afterwards or yes that's okay the, um, so if you think about dispatching right mm-hmm. so you, you're building it and then you dispatch or dispatcher goes to fire and fire is you know that's going to transmute all of that mm-hmm. through the through the and, and of course even all the elementals are are everything that's earth-based, everything that's elemental, everything that can do, concerns the animals, all of this is integral to uh, shamanism, no matter where you go in the world. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: These are core principles, core things. Uh, You can't separate uh, shamanism from mother earth, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and Peruvians, they call it Pachamama, you know, you, you know, it's they're, they're integral, they're interchangeable.
2: Like we were saying the other day, um, what's fascinating with paranormal and, and supernatural and all that is no matter the culture around the world, everyone has the same story, uh, just might be a little variant on it, called a different name or you know whatever, and it seems to be the same way with uh, shamanism as well. It's just... Um, so fascinating how everyone seems to be connected with beliefs, even though there was a time that no one was able to communicate from one end of the globe to the other. You know, um, so to have all these similarities is just fascinating.
1: That is a great point because no matter where you go in the world, and <coughs> you might get some some people who you want to argue, but a, but a few look at the core principles and i don't care if you go to africa australia Mm -hmm. what is left of any european uh you know like celtic kind of traditions or what Mm -hmm. have you uh, north america south america Mm -hmm. all of all of them uh, recognize the cardinal directions right there's a thing that we do is called opening sacred space And witchcraft will do a a form of this. So it's calling in the cardinal directions. Um, Mm -hmm. Yep. The Andean people and the Plains Indian people do this almost identical, yet they were separated by thousands of miles, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. 3,000, 4,000 miles, not really interconnected. But not only the cardinal direction, but each direction has an animal representative right So uh, with the two that I that I'm familiar with and, uh let's, let's say Peruvians, there they begin opening directions facing the south. And for them the south is the serpent, uh, Sachamama. Mm-hmm. Plains Blackfoot and, and other plains Indians, they always started in the east. modern day, uh, Plains Indian, they might start in the West now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But originally, everyone began in the East. And I think that um, that's a whole conversation in itself. But um, in the East, because that's the place of the rising sun, the new day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything is also based on the the cycles, the seasons. You can't get away from the wheel. You can't get away from the circle. Uh, these These are all core principles of all these traditions. Uh, so with the, uh, the Blackfoot the, there, the one that I'm familiar with, it's uh, Eagle, is in the east. Condor would be the Peruvians. Mm-hmm. In the south, uh, Sachamama, the snake, mother serpent. <laughs> uh, the Blackfoot would use white-tailed deer as the animal representative. Hmm. In the west, uh, the west and the west being so, and you think about it, we're also moving in the seasons.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, the east uh, we're starting in the spring, uh, the south we're looking at summer. Right um, when you look to the west, now this is like the fall, and in both traditions, one uses like the jaguar or the puma, the, the South American. Blackfoot might use does use the bear
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they and then they and they all have the words so Otrongo is, is the jaguar and Stunatops uh, is the scary one so instead of using gayo for, for the bear they say Stunatops because it's out of respect because he's he's bad <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? no, scary <laughs> Don't mess with the bear. So, and they're both representatives of the West, and in the West is... Um, the West is also where the, the idea of the Rainbow Bridge, you know, the crossing yes. from this yes. yes. realm to the other. And, for example, those, the bear, or the jaguar, or the puma, those archetypal energies are there to help us um, face our fear. So when when we work with those animals, they're helping us face our fears, not fear death,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not operate from a place of fear. So each animal, and and then, be remiss to go, and then go to the north. They would talk about sarakente the the hummingbird, um, the Blackfoot would be the Makastu, the the great the Raven, the, the big blackbird, um, and. Usually in the in the north is also the Apus or the mountains, the wise ones. They all look to the earth, Pachamama. Uh, Blackfoot is uh, Nina Pistotoki, the the mother, mm-hmm. uh, and then to the heavens. So um, they all recognize the moon, uh, the Peruvians Mama Kia. Um, the great the the great mystery, the creator, whatever that is, the universe recognize that as well um the angelic realm they also always almost universally recognize star nations star beings so what we would say oh aliens yeah um right but it's this our star brothers and sisters is that is not um like just for tv or alien stuff this is part of their tradition to the sky nations the star nations and it's built into a creation story that we come from the stars and that that's where we, we will return to when we pass one day this is part of their belief system part of the their culture
2: and if I'm not mistaken um, they found uh, pictographs in caves and um, with uh, star people
1: Yes, um, I've been to a f- few different locations where, there, where there's petroglyphs. Um, famous, most famous, famous ones, I guess we would say, is in New Mexico and mm-hmm. in, in that four-state area, is it Chaco Canyon, uh, what have you? Um, but what I, what I would say is I haven't visited there, but I have been in. in Seen different petroglyphs in Arizona, and also in uh, near dinosaur, so Colorado, Utah border, and up in the north.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I took photographs of those petroglyphs, and there's no denying that they're aliens. They're not. I mean, there's a face with two little antenna. I mean, who? You yeah. know what it is. I mean, you can't mistake what the hell that is. You know, it's an alien, and I don't know what some archaeo- anthropologists or whatever want to call it, but you know it's an alien, so just just stop, and just, it, that's what it is, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, A fascinating thing I would like to add about that,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I've been to Peru, and I've been over Nazca, and in Nazca, Whenever you see a, a primate or anything human-like, um, there's something something interesting that has to do with you see four fingers on one hand, even a, a monkey and five on the other. Really. Right? and it's not an accident. It's not like they forgot what thumb looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's on all the so Nazca those these enormous uh, whatever the word I think of the word. Um, but it's always five and four fingered. So I, I, a few years back, I'm up in, uh, what is Colorado, where, where dinosaur is, and I see some uh, some of the petroglyphs, and, the, and there's a star being, and it's got five and four fingers.
0: Wow!
1: And I'm like, how the hell does that? Why? You know what I mean? Like this isn't just uh, something little. This this five and four combination is also present down there and if and you might see it and it might not be on everyone but it's it's, there's something about uh, I wanted to say almost like a hybridization between a five-fingered and a four-fingered being and that's it's both in North and South America which Hmm. that's amazing
2: that's fascinating I'm gonna have to look into that
1: Hmm. yeah I'm sure I could uh, I got maybe some pictures on my my page or whatever. Just uh, so I'm not just telling stories; it's it's true, Yeah. Right?
2: Wow. yeah. Do you have uh, an animal spirit guide, or if you're able to mention if you do have one?
1: That's a, <clears throat> that's really an interesting subject, and I think uh, people who are first coming to shamanism or 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 just whatever you're as some type of spiritual pursu- pursuit everybody kind of wants to know well, what's my spirit animal right mm-hmm. say, yeah yeah because everybody kind of has at least one right and we might do a journey or we would do a journey and, and in the journey we we would find what your spirit animal is there's some beliefs that say you have one at birth which, we, which you know we may there may be a spirit animal that wants to work with you now at this point in your life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: for whatever reason because each one is uh, it's i'll just refer to as an archetypal energy that has certain attributes and traits and we know animals unlike us they're born and they know who they are and what they are and Mm -hmm. how to behave right you don't have to tell a bear or an eagle or any animal how to behave or what their song is or what they do humans we don't even know we don't have any of that right mm. we have to figure it out it's, so they all they already know who they are and so we can find out what your power animal power animal is uh, what what spirit animals working with you and it like I said and it can change and and there's also probably a bird shamans we all have like a cat Really? Now this, now the uh, the this would be referred to as like a tracking cat,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so we all use a cat. Now when I say cat, it may not it it may be just your house cat. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see this in witchcraft too, your familiars and whatever the cat. But usually in shamanism, we we might be a little more like a jaguar or mm-hmm. a, a panther. know some badass cat (laughs) big big cat or lion or whatever it is (laughs) and we'll use that that cat that big cat to go into let's say a world um, to to go find something to go find somebody maybe on the other side Mm -hmm. some some realms are not really safe you might call like the stone people realm or whatever, there's different realms where it may not be safe for us as humans to enter into, so, you know, like earthbound spirits or whatever, or or these, uh, these realms that aren't really up the higher vibration, they're mm-hmm. kind of a lower, uh, whatever you want to refer to it as. So using the cat, it's like a disguise and then that cat can slip in and out of these realms and not be not be, harmed or affected, if you follow what I mean. And they, they have this innate ability, you know, like so if you're trying to, let's say someone passed and you want to, well, and you don't think that they've ascended or whatever and you want to you know, well, what's going on? What, are they stuck somewhere or something, you know? You can use the cat to, to find them or find something and then come back to you and say, like, now you have this information. Right?
2: That reminds me of uh, ancient Egypt and the cat. Um, they say the cat has a foothold in the other world and our world, like in the, um, so they can see when, uh, I can't remember the... Um, the name of the place but they can see uh, dead people like when when once like the spirits they can see the spirits and but they also have a foothold in our world as well Um, so that kind of reminds me of that as well that's really interesting and it's a cat
1: it's a cat I I don't know why Uh, I know my I'm staying at my friends uh, Vicky's and her cat seems to see things all the time Yep. uh, always seeing uh, we're seeing something like and usually if you take a picture there's some orbs or something funny going on Uh, but yeah it's said that they they see um Hmm. with shamans uh at least in the tradition that i was a part of uh with the peruvian part there are four animals that are like seeds planted within my we refer to it as our luminous body so as part of these rites the uh i would have or i do have like four and so it's the serpent the jaguar uh the condor or eagle and uh i did it out of order and uh the hummingbird is is uh, actually the third and then the fourth one would be condor eagle mm. so the first chakras when you think of your chakras within uh the teachings that I've been part to, those first four are those four animals that have been kind of implanted as seeds. And they, each one is uh, an animal that you build a relationship with because it's going to assist you in your work and assist you with your own. And a big part of shamanism, especially uh, the, the Western version of, of shamanism is, mm. it's called the way of the wounded healer, right? Mm-hmm. So we can't, Really help someone to heal themselves until we've done our own work. So we have to heal ourselves, and these these animals, these spirit guides, um, these archetypal energies, they help us to achieve certain healing processes. Uh, for example, the serpent. When we work with the serpent. That's helping us, and it's in the south to 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 shed things that no longer serve us. Ah.
2: Right. Like, so the like, this
1: like the serpent sheds its skin. Serpent sheds its skin. Hmm. So we're, we're taking these old wounds, um, these these traumas, and using serpent as an ally to help us release and like old things that we don't need to carry with us anymore. Hmm. Um, in the West, um, we're using and I'm, talk, I'm speaking of the uh, the quechua the the uh, the Peruvian Andes tradition not not the amazonian uh, but mm. the mountain shamans and and, I'm ref- and' and i'm speaking I'm referring to the Quechua people, the uh, the Queros, uh carol and so in 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 the west we're working with jaguar and uh, that's helping us not to fear to to Face our fears and to face death and to not let the fear of death, you know, just. It, it, it's freeing and it's empowering when we're not always afraid and we're not in that fight or flight mode anymore. Mm-hmm. The the north, uh, Sericante, the hummingbird is teaching us to be present in the moment. Right? It teaches us, you know, not to worry about what happened before, which is regret, mm-hmm. or or to fear what's going to happen tomorrow, right, because that hasn't happened yet, and it's teaching us, the hummingbird is like stillness in motion, so it's 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 present, right, and it's in the moment, and that's really all we have, is this, this moment, right? and the hummingbird, there's all these lessons, so the hummingbird likes to drink from the sweetness of life, right, uh, you can't, really cage a hummingbird and it doesn't want to be around negative things it wants to be around beauty the hummingbird what does its travel it's its great migration and it shows us that it doesn't pack a suitcase when it leaves from South America and comes north in the springtime you know what I mean it, mm-hmm. it doesn't worry about that stuff it it knows that it, spirit is going to provide for it so it, it doesn't have to pack a big suitcase and bring all its stuff, and worry about where's the next meal. Mm. The Mother Earth is going to provide for that. And such a little animal, right, such a little animal makes this great, sometimes 3,000, 4,000 miles. How is that even possible for such a, something so fragile and tiny, right? Mm. But yet it does every, huh. every year. And the other, uh, and then just going <coughs> clockwise, everything's clockwise. So, uh, eagle or uh, condor. So in uh, Peruvian they call it Apuchín. Uh, apuchin. Uh, Blackfoot referred to eagle as Pita. Mm-hmm. And there's also a very old uh, prophecy about the eagle and condor. Mm-hmm. But what eagle and condor show us is the big picture because they fly closest to spirit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, often when we're In our everyday lives, you know, we can only see what's in front of us. We can't see how we're going to get through a certain problem or crisis. How we, you know, we can only see so far. And when we can work on the mythic level, and that's and, and using these like these great birds, suddenly we get like a panorama of. You can see everything, every option, every possibility that we don't see normally and then it's like all these opportunities and possibilities suddenly open to us that we didn't know were there because we couldn't know from from our vantage point point. Right? Mm-hmm. and uh, another universal property about the eagle and condor is that we would be in a time which I think it's a time we're now <clears throat> where the two birds would share the same sky so the eagle's always represented the masculine, kind of if you think of like the United States or whatever, and, you know, not very good about sharing space and, you know, yeah. being very... <laughs> you know what I mean? And it can also represent um, Western ways, and the condor is kind of like the feminine, indigenous ways. And it's like if... So it's metaphor, and it's on many levels, so it's like if we... Can have the eagle and the condor share the same sky, and bring in the belief system and the practices that were were stomped out by the indigenous people, and their you know their connection to the earth, right? Their um, their uh, I'm losing thinking, not thinking of my word, but it's the the idea that uh, all life all life is sacred. Um, it's an egalitarian belief system, that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. egalitarian, right? So, um, the uh, Lakota have a, a phrase, it's kind, of, it's kind of like, it's been so caught on, everybody hears mitakali oasin, right? The, uh, you're all my relatives, right? and that's referring to to not just men and women of mm-hmm. different races, and colors, and countries, and but you are all my relations, all living life. We're all related. We're all part of Mother Earth. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, that kind of belief system, and in this prophecy, would hopefully be able to share the same space, the same sky as our Western capitalistic, you know, mm-hmm. gotta, gotta make the money kind of belief system, right? And hopefully they can they can both share that sky. And in many ways, it's making uh, it's it's the indigenous people or or their teachings that are coming to the surface so much more nowadays, right? Um, they're the ones that are often leading the the cries to stand against uh, something that's harmful, pipeline, or something that's doing damage, or clear-cutting a forest or whatever it is and it's 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 that love of the earth and wanting to be uh, an earth keeper Mm -hmm. an earth protector a steward of the planet that is core to shamanism Mm -hmm. because we we view our 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 job as protectors of the planet you know we only have this one planet you know i know elon musk is going to try to redo (laughs) mars but who knows when that'll be right (laughs) Let's not probably, up this one.
2: Probably won't be in our lifetime.
1: <laughs> Hard to say, but it's like, you know, you, you're going to invest into making a a, a desert a desert burnt-out planet And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we have this beautiful planet here that we're, you know, it's like, fix this one, help this one. Never mind trying to, you know, terraform a uh, Mars, which we probably started out there. At one point and came here, you know, just leaving a path of destruction to the solar system.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's what the black holes are. <laughs> Humans yeah, have everywhere. been there, destroyed it, and moved on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Crazy.
2: Well, we're just about at the end. Already. Yeah, it's been an hour already. Jesus,
1: we didn't even get warmed up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do you have any final thoughts? I would love to have you back because I know there's so much more that you can tell us, and um, uh, well, an hour show just can't can't hold it, <laughs> can't hold it all.
1: Yeah, especially uh, when I get long-winded, and I'm these storytelling times.
2: Oh no, that's great.
1: Um, yeah, I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface here of what I would like to share with you. Well, we can day. actually
2: keep going if you'd like.
1: This is going well. well. We can keep going that's up to you if you want to no let's
2: let's keep going
1: if you want to keep going or maybe yeah maybe you can cut this up into a few sandwiches and (laughs) 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 something to part one part two (laughs) yeah yeah I actually uh, a friend of mine we did a podcast a few years back and uh, we had to do two parts and it had to it it has to do with the, uh, a a prophecy that I had uh, that had come to me in one of my shamanic journeys and a, a personal project that I've been trying to further over the years and it it actually took t- two just to even explore that topic. You know? Oh wow! So uh,
2: yeah, if you have the time, I have the time. We can keep going.
1: Well, yeah, why don't we go on a little bit more and, yep. and um,
2: <clears throat> I just didn't want to keep you, but no, like I said, you have the time. Let's go.
1: <laughs> All right. No, I, 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 enjoy this stuff and I'm happy to have the opportunity to talk about these things.
2: Well, I'm happy to have you here. And, uh, like, like I've mentioned a few times before, um, it's just opened my eyes and, um, you're educating me a little bit more on what shamanism is, and um, you know, because I've had a, a basic knowledge, but uh, I didn't really know much about it.
1: And, and when I talk about it, I'm am I'm, I'm constantly learning. You know, I have an, a general idea of what what it means, mm-hmm. and when we talk about when we're talking about shamanism, we're, in many ways. We're trying to um, to re remember things that's been lost, you know. In in North America, there's pockets of information that still exist, but I mean, there was such a concerted effort made to wipe out spiritual practices and the knowledge of Native Americans, right? So they had to go underground. And through genocide and, and everything that took place, this, <clears throat> and if I may just talk about them for a moment. Of course, yes. They, they are a, <clears throat> as all indigenous groups are, they're an oral tradition. Mm-hmm. When we talk about an oral tradition, and you know, uh, a people that their history is living, it's always alive through the voices and through the, the story keepers, the tellers and the keepers. So. There are certain safeguards built in. Uh, one, in, in the integrity of how that information is, is, is kept and relayed over generations and never lose its integrity. But there's also, you know, there's certain people that are entrusted to to maintain a specific piece of information or knowledge, right? And if they die and they don't have their predecessor in line, well then that's been lost. Chances are forever. In a way you know um, I've and then theres there's also of course uh, the wound and then uh, resentment of, of what has been done and and then you see today maybe there's people that, like you know who aren't from the indigenous community who want to know certain things and it's like you know you did everything and it's so like that back and forth like like uh, your people in the past did everything to destroy it and now you you want You want to know these things and you know and sometimes that someone might think it's for money but it's I believe that it's in the this uh, a lot of the indigenous knowledge that it's like it survives in pockets and it's pieces and it's like going across the prairie picking up little pieces of scraps of paper and looking because it's it was like a beautiful book that was shredded to pieces and most of its you know and, and trying to like gather up little I try to gather up little bits of knowledge because I, I feel it's there's beauty in that and it's like humanity's way forward is is most likely in a lot in, in the teachings and belief systems those egalitarian beliefs that uh, have for the most part barely survive and, and, and ancient knowledge that's been lost like can you imagine if today if, if our civilization gets wiped out in some way uh, there's something that happens and all the technology and all the things that we know and we take for granted right and then we got to start over well, it's it's kind of to me i think it's a little bit like that with the shamanism in that we had thousands of years of knowledge and, and, and information and connection that, you know, if it was in South, colonialism all over, and the the, the furthering of religion that, that had to crush it and convert and change it. So it's like <clears throat> we may never know what was lost and what that knowledge was, truly was, right? Um, but we know, like, for our own culture, if, if everything got wiped out today, how many of us can make a cell phone yeah right? you know or i don't know know how to make anything <laughs> you know there, there's people out there but they're few and far between right <laughs> um we we would be right back to almost caveman uh, you know sometimes i watch these dystopian movies and think oh that would be If anything really went bad, I mean, most of us don't know how to do or create most of these things, right? So,
2: I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the um, the TV series The Walking Dead, for example, um, yeah. And trying to get a community back together so you could survive easier and learn how to how to fend for yourself and just learning how to make food sometimes uh, can be challenging. Um, just trying to remember how to build things, you know, um, only a certain amount of people would, would have that knowledge.
1: That is like so true. Like, most of us don't know how to plant a garden or grow our own food. Half of us don't even know how to cook a, anything but a hot pocket for dinner. It's like yeah, I, can't,
2: you know. I can't start a fire. Uh, my husband just, and kids can, I'm, but I can't start one. So, you know.
1: So we'd all be screwed, basically, for the most part, right? If (laughs) we lost our, you know, the system that sustains us. So my point, I guess, in a long-about way is that thousands of years went on and and knowledge was built over these generations and handed down and expanded upon. Mm -hmm. And then it got like one of these dystopian movies, you know just obliterated so Mm -hmm. someone like myself or others who are on this path you know we're like we're like trying to gather these you know this information gather this knowledge and and build upon it and kind of put it back uh grow it from what has been still remained through the years and it's uh it's really hard to do um especially depending, the Peruvian tradition is unique because they uh, somehow managed to retain a lot of their traditions, a lot of their knowledge. And there's a whole story about the, that they went into hiding and somehow they, they avoided the conquistadors. They were up in the mountains and they just kind of out of sight, out of mind, you know, and they weren't evangelized and, and all that. And something, uh, and in their story, there was like an earthquake in the 50s, and they revealed one of the sacred sites. And then they knew it was their time to come back, uh, and then share, start sharing what they knew with with the world. That that's the story and, mm-hmm. that i told. And so they, then they do. They do seem to have uh, a lot of that ancient uh, knowledge still. Still with them.
2: That's interesting. Uh, I just had a question and I just lost it.
1: <laughs> there, there and there it went. It's gone. Yes. You, you had asked me about ceremonies and I never. Um, yes. Never mentioned about uh, the Plains Indian. Just mm. as a few. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the thought that came through your mind. It was. It was? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, So was there a particular ceremony that comes to your mind that you had had a question about or that you were thinking of?
2: No, just, um, uh, so like um, I was mentioning earlier that uh, in our conversation uh, that when we spoke the other night that uh, I sage my house um, just to uh, cleanse the house just to get rid of all the negativity and everything. Um, is there something like that that shamans use as
1: well? Of course, yeah. That's um, mm. Smudging is... Uh, Pretty much universal, I think. It, it's universal. And so when we're talking about smudging, we're talking about plant medicine, right? Mm. And depending on where you are in the world, you have different plants that are available. It's said, right, that... Uh, for every ailment and condition and, and sickness, there's a plant that, is, that can help to heal it. Right? Um, and smudging, um, the Peruvian tradition, the, the, uh, the mountain shamans, uh, they use uh, Florida water a lot in ceremony and a lot in cleansing. Uh, they also uh, use Palo Santo, uh,
2: oh yes, mm-hmm.
1: and if you ever smell palisanto, it's beautiful—the uh, the, the aroma of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, the burn palisanto. This may be some other. There's a, a moss, a moss that they they may use. It just smells amazing, hmm. uh, an incense, but it's almost made from a moss stick.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's
1: beautiful, and the Florida water. So. Uh, it's flower essence in the water and use like an alcohol base and some other things and um, it's got like this beautiful beautiful scent and generally they'll put a little bit in their mouth and they'll spit it on you <laughs> or mist it on you not spit it on you but yes. they'll mist it right uh, that's one, one way and uh, that was one of the things my family freaked out I was like you're to spit on me and say no not really going to spit on you I'm just going to mist the <laughs> uh, the alcohol right it's not spit. But, anyways and then uh, then use a feather to you know like in the Plains Indian tradition so they use that uh, for smudging um, you know in North America you usually see like sage, cedar um, mm-hmm. and you always see um, like sweet grass too uh, being used I love the serum. smell
2: of sweet grass
1: right and, uh, and so like the cedar and the sage generally are to uh, send away or to clear the plant medicine to clear any negative energy or just to kind of clean house in general of whatever's around, and then the sweetgrass is generally to call in uh, the 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 ancestors or the the relatives, ah. right? It's like that it's like a calling in, mm-hmm. yeah. So not, hmm. not to scare scare anyone, but to call in the those those energies, those beings.
2: I was told once by um, a Native American or Native Canadian I guess uh, saying that um, because there's different sages like in Canada um, white sage, I can't remember the others and he told me that wherever you you're located any smudging with sage works but you should try and use what's native to the area that you're in
0: Mhm.
2: Is that some something also similar to uh to shamanism? Well, that try and use what's what's, you know, native to that that area.
1: Well, that particular thing, I I You got me thinking a little bit. It's <laughs> it's that um w- w- maybe more more for the land. Yes. So let's say you were trying to cleanse an area, of some land, for whatever reason. It might, you know, maybe there's some something going on on some property, some land. You know, maybe this land had uh, that a house is on, but maybe, maybe it's on a burial ground. Maybe mm-hmm. it's on something that uh, a battle zone, a battlefield, or whatever. Um, so that might make sense to use what was native to the area. as kind of it's it's going to be more because it's from the area. If you think yeah. of it in that sense, has you
2: a know, little but, more has a little more um, oomph, a little more juice to it.
1: Possibly, a little you more know, power. There's there's uh, not a whole lot of rules uh, in Western shamanism as mm-hmm. far as. Uh, absolutes in anything because it seems like you can make all these conditions and rules and say the but almost always you'll find a curve is it so I try never to speak in total absolutes about anything because you know? mm-hmm. uh, sure enough you'll find a, a something that uh, an exception right? an and exception
2: also, exception to every rule pretty much
1: there's always some little curveball out there and yeah. We, we just we just don't always know we don't know what we, we don't know so um, one thing that you know, with shamanism and plants it's part, plant medicine uh, is an integral part of healing work um, you know and and everything that's splintered off of core shamanism like so various forms of witchcraft or uh, earth-based er- Witchcraft, I keep recalling that. But I mean, there's so many, so many branches that came from this original tree. Mm-hmm. And around plant medicine, um, there's the knowledge that gets handed down over generations. But you, you wonder, like, how did the first person ever know what medicine did, right?
2: I've had this discussion with several people before.
1: So either there were a lot of people, guinea pigs, that were lined up and say, we're going to give this to, to Mikey and see see if he likes it or not, see yeah. what happens, I was like, oh, that didn't work out so good, sorry, Mikey, you know, he, he didn't make it.
2: You know, you need another Mikey.
1: You know, and who's going to volunteer next, what, there's no more volunteers, how come? So. Uh, with well, kind, the,
2: of, kind of like sorry to cut you off there it's sort of like uh, the other day I, I could tell my dog wasn't feeling well because she was outside eating grass um, you know animals tend to do that well how do they know to do that
1: that's that's a question I don't know <laughs> but what I do know is if we watch animals we can learn hmm that's a lot of indigenous people going back and humanity as far back as probably ever that we can remember is by watching the animals we, they were all nature is our oldest teacher his mm-hmm. husband why i don't know why i just know it is and i just know that we can learn from the animals we can learn from the natural world right those they're going to show us things so through observation that we learned certain things right
2: sort of and like also, a um I think I I can't remember if if I was talking to you about this uh we're talking about what kind of winter we're going to have and I have lots of friends who own horses and they can tell if we're going to have a cold winter or not or if it's going to be a milder winter according to how their horses coats are um my grandfather used to look at trees and he could say uh, we're going to have this type of fall or we're going to have this type of winter and it's just it's fascinating how we as humans tend to think that we're so much smarter, but yet we have to look at nature for answers like that.
1: And we should look to nature because it it knows, like like those examples mm-hmm. that you gave. I don't know how it knows, but I mean,
2: but it just does. It,
1: it, we're so disconnected from the yep. natural world. We're not, you know. If you if we think about indigenous people who are part of it. Who are not separate from the natural, but actually living in it day in and day out, and mm-hmm. observing and noticing everything around them, we're miss, we'll miss all these. Like your grandfather's seen something that how many people are go to even pay attention yeah. or notice something? So you know, going on with the tree, um, but that that could inform us.
2: Mm-hmm. How, many are also, this, how many nuts? How many nuts? Is the squirrel trying to gather? Might give us an indication as well on what kind of winter we're going to be having.
1: Yeah, like I've never seen, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody mm-hmm. that counts, uh, watch the squirrels and counts how many things they collect. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> if anyone knows, something. please
2: contact us. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, yeah, uh, call in. It's like, I know how many they, they're collecting this year and it's <laughs> going to be one hell of a winter, I'll tell you that. But. <laughs> but, um, and with, with plant medicine, besides from observation of the natural world, there's also journeying to plants. So that's something that uh, is shamanic person medicine person would do would be to do a journey and to get information from the plant like and sometimes it doesn't have to be as even as elaborate as doing a journey like if you go out into a meadow or a field and if you take a moment and you reach down and you touch a plant and you just kind of ask it like hi there and like show me show me what you you're here for show me what you what your power is, what your gift is, and, and if you, I've done it where you, 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 um, you hold just like one plant, and you might get, oh, I feel this in my lungs, or I feel this in my chest, or I might get an image, you know, and it's like informing you, mm-hmm. informs us, like, hey, this might be good for the blood, this might, you know, and how, and you ask the questions, you know, like, how how would you be used? Would it be in a tincture? Would it be in a tea? Would it be in a pulstice? You know, and fortunately, we have like Google and our smartphones, and then like <laughs> we could we can try it, yeah. You know, ask Plant the and then cross-reference it with some app and say, oh yeah, well, yeah, I was right about that one. Maybe not that one, but <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know. So uh, we have the we have the technology available, and we can kind of see. It's like, geez, we're getting this information. We're being informed. How about that? And you know, we don't have to kill Mikey to in the process. We can double check to see is that really going to work? It yeah. sure is going to. So, yeah.
2: don't have to kill Mikey. Or whoever. Maybe that's yeah. what I should call this episode. We don't have to kill Mikey. No.
1: We have the technology. We don't have to do that.
2: Yeah. I um, I'm like i told I told you the other day. That I'm very in tune with animals. Plants, not so much. I've literally, just from touching a plant, killed it. Uh, There was one time my husband says, could you, we were at, my kids and I were at Walmart, and um, he says, "Uh, why don't you pick me up a plant so I can put in my office. I thought, okay. So I saw this really interesting, sorry, there goes my dog with her ticking nails again. Um, I saw this beautiful uh, cactus that I'd never seen before, and it was shaped like a fan. And I thought, oh, wow, so I took a picture of it, sent it to him, and he goes, yeah, that would be great. It's different, you know. So uh, by the time I got to the front of the store to pay for my purchase, um, it didn't look as pretty. The the tips were a little black, and I thought, oh, maybe it's just something that I missed. You know, I didn't notice. By the time I got home, it was literally starting to liquefy, and it was turning black, (laughs) and when I got home, it was dying and my husband said what the heck did you do to it is that the same plant that you showed me I'm like yes it's the same plant Um, and I've done that with other plants so now my husband and daughter there's plants all over the house they absolutely love it and I am told never to touch any if I accidentally touch one my daughter goes over and touches it and says I'm sorry my mom didn't mean to touch you you know don't (laughs) die on me it just it's so strange how I don't seem to be in tune with the plants like I am with the animals. And uh, I I say that my family have uh, green thumbs, but I have a black thumb of death when it comes to plants.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> black thumb of death. Oh,
2: <laughs> so I don't know if that's something that I have to um, work on my vibrations to kind of listen to, to plants and not kill them. or <laughs> I don't know what
1: it is. If, you, if that's really happening um yeah it's worth exploring to see what 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 can you learn from that like what's it telling you and and um there's always something that we can we can garner from these kind of things right and we can we can learn from um i don't know uh when we were talking about plant medicine and you mentioned cactus so what came to my mind uh Well, we think, I think of peyote in Mm -hmm. North America. Um, In South America, and I actually participated in a a, a few of these ceremonies, San Pedro. Mm.
0: Um,
1: And so uh, South American tradition, San Pedro is the father of plant medicine, right? And ayahuasca is the, the mother of plant medicine so this is shamanic related right hmm. so through ceremony through ritual either you know, if you've ever heard about ayahuasca they generally do that at, at night and that's the mother and it's um, and she's going to take you on a, a mind expanding trip right mm-hmm. and she, you're going to see things and I've, I haven't done ayahuasca, so I can't really just go blabbering about her. I just know that she's the mother, mm-hmm. and she would kick our butts <laughs> and make you very sick. Yes. Um, now, San Pedro is the father, and you do San Pedro in the daytime, and it is derived from, I believe it's derived from a cactus, and it's like a, a powder form that you add to warm water, and it makes like a tea. Hmm. You do San Pedro in ceremony, so you could, we're we're not doing it for recreational purposes. Or, or we're doing this in ceremony to to learn something, to grow, to heal. And San Pedro is supposed to be and is a little more gentle, from what I'm told, than the way ayahuasca works. Um, now I've done it three times. And the first time I took what would be three doses of San Pedro.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I can tell you three is a little too many. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit too much. (laughs) Um, But it afforded me an opportunity to see things that I would never have seen. And what it showed me um, is that... uh, When you look at everything, the fabric of what all matter is made up, San Pedro can show you all the colors and all the sacred geometry and moving patterns that are happening that we don't normally see. (laughs) So I could look at a wall on San Pedro and you're like, Oh my God, look at it's constantly moving, constantly changing. And if you've ever seen, like in India, in the architecture and like in the pillars and the columns and the sacred geometry and all these fascinating and not random, but intricate patterns that are, that are cut into all their architecture, right? Mm. Beautiful things that are and shapes and things that are going on. That is but one snapshot in time of, of something that is in perpetual recreation our whole world, when when we use uh, something like San Pedro, we suddenly see what it's comprised of, and that it's, like you, you and I, we see the, the uh, divinity, the sacredness in each other, and it shows us that in this moment of time, that you are, you in this moment are recreating yourself, you are reimagining yourself, you're not, fixed your your body your cells everything is in flux and in changing and you're holding a form a physical form for mm. the rest for the rest of the world as we each are holding a form and it's and it's serving a purpose and in this moment we are bearing witness to each other in this moment right because it's like the tree in the forest. If no one was there, did it actually fall? Did anyone hear it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So as I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, we see each other. And this one, this moment will never happen again. You will never appear just this way again, except in digital recordings. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> but we are bearing witness to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is... And with St. Pedro, it's like we have so much... Uh, Appreciation and love for other human beings that maybe we're kind of maybe closed off to otherwise, and <clears throat> it has a way of pointing out and revealing to us uh, maybe our personal wounds that we are in a blind spot. Mm. Um, and, and there's, um, and I don't want to go on too much about it, uh, it's just that when I came back. From to the house from the San Pedro and like I said three was too many Um, (laughs) like 12 or 14 hours I'm still seeing like the most vibrant colors and things and I had gone into uh, my friend's bathroom and had some nice tile work done and there was a little speck of grout on the on the tile right and I I was looking at it and it was moving I'm like what? Oh my god that grout is still wet and so I'm touching it right you think oh this guy's high as can be right but <laughs> that piece of grout San Pedro showed me that it's still in motion it's not finished yet
0: hmm.
1: and it's as though you you are stepping out of oh, cons- the, the time that we're in and cons- there's a movie i think it's a time machine or something and in the machine uh all the gears and stuff get turning and and the guy is brought through thousands sometimes millions of years right and he's still in his little pod but he's seeing all the transformation mm-hmm. and the earth changes and the animals and
2: that's right I that, haven't seen that movie in a long time yeah
1: it's just like that because i'm seeing that this piece of grout we think of something solid and formed and it's done and it's dry and that's it. But you know mm-hmm. what? Over time, it's going to continue to move. It's going to disintegrate. You could see this. You could huh. see that it It was maybe a microscopic move, but it's still in flux, still moving. And to me, that's, that's fascinating because it shouldn't be still moving, but it's like you're stepping out of time
0: mm-hmm.
1: and things are still going on. It's almost as though nothing is really fixed at the way we think of it.
2: That kind of reminds me of um, the only the only way that I could really relate to that is uh, a while back I went out for coffee with a friend of mine. Uh, we went to a mutual friend's uh, restaurant, Italian restaurant, and we had iced coffee, and I had like three or four coffee. Well, I was getting all jittery. And I uh, realized it wasn't just iced coffee, it was espresso coffee that I was drinking. Now, I'm, um, I am drink a lot of coffee, but uh, espresso, oh, it's like 10 cups of coffee in one little, you know. But it right, tastes right. so good. So that later on, I texted my friend, and I said, oh, my God, I had too much coffee. She says, why? I said, because I can hear colors.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> and She
2: laughed. I couldn't really, but I was just like... I was just looking at things around me going, oh my God, I just, it... but yeah, even now she'll uh, jokingly say, you know, how much coffee did you have? Is it a hearing color kind of uh, day?" day? Wow. <laughs> oh yeah, it was, I never drank that much espresso in my entire life and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> so like for you three, it was too many. Me, I think four espressos was too many.
1: If you ever used to watch Beavis and Butthead, that sounds like like Beavis when he would get on Sugar Rush. (laughs) Uh, So, um, what the heck was the the point that, um, oh. um, Just
2: a way of opening your mind, I believe.
1: Yeah, and there was, there was something, there was something else that, uh. Uh, that there was another concept too is that when when you are in that state and in that awareness like I realized I would never be bored like Mm. there's no way to be bored and you would never really feel alone the sense Mm. of being alone and separate because sometimes you know I know I can feel alone a lot and and like and separate and with that it's like you don't feel like you're you're alone or separate from the collective you feel like you're part of something more and you're not you don't feel that disconnect that separate feeling and as far as like if, if everything around you is like constantly changing and moving it's like there's no way to be bored you know yeah it's like the universe is and is constantly reimagining itself constantly recreating itself while holding a form, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, mind-blowing.
2: It's amazing what, uh, if you really look, what you can actually see, uh, whether it's with the uh, San Pedro, you called it?
1: That's San Pedro, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, uh,
2: whether you're using uh, San Pedro, seeing things through San Pedro or too much espresso or whatever, Um just if you can let your mind open up the things that you can actually see.
1: I mean, weed's kind of more of a common one. That every, <laughs> yeah. Most people have probably had some. And it's some legal other.
2: here in Canada now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's legal. <like>, <laughs> so, yeah, um, but compared to weed, that was, uh, that was so much more.
2: <laughs> weed on steroids.
1: Something like that. Um, <laughs> So that, but it's—I mean—it's all connected to shamanism, and uh, as a, a spiritual practice, a spiritual way of being, of of learning and healing. It, it's all—it's all part of it, part of ceremony, part of a, a, a ritual. Um, we we mentioned. Oh, you mentioned about ceremony, and did I did I cut you off? No. Okay, sorry. There was a little sound there. Oh um, no,
2: spirits, maybe. What?
1: Maybe the spirits are talking, it's like quit jabbering about nonsense (laughs) and talk about something good. (laughs) Uh, I think of uh, some ceremonies like more specific to the North, uh, Plains Indians, like uh, Sweat Lodge. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yep. Um, So there's, I think of Sweat Lodge, I think of uh, Pipe Ceremony. Um, I have mixed feelings about the Sundance, but that's. That's another thing. and um, but definitely like the, the sweat is a powerful ceremony and a beautiful ceremony and and pipe too. Um, I assume maybe <clears throat> I don't know if you've had the opportunity to participate in sweat.
2: No, I haven't
1: no? Um, And that and sweat's an example too of where. Uh, a lot of tribes <laughs> lost that knowledge and uh, I had the opportunity to to sweat up in uh, Alberta on uh, two of the reserves uh, one on the Pecani and one on the uh, the Blood Reserve with wonderful people and the the first ma- uh, the the second sweat that I attended was on the Pecani Reserve and the the gentleman that was the pora and the and the host in performing the ceremony he, though he is Blackfoot, he went to, um, I don't know if it was Pine Ridge or Rosebud, he went to the Lakota tribe back in the 70s, and that's where, uh, because they had lost their uh, specific traditional way, even though sweat is basically universal, you know, no nobody really has dibs on, on owning the sweat ceremony but Mm -hmm. the one that uh, the way that it was performed among the Blackfoot was essentially lost so they went or this gentleman uh, he went um, his name's Morris Morris Little Wolf he went to uh, the Lakota and he brought back the sweat to his people Hmm. and so it's just an example of trying to bring back Ceremony and, and information, and knowledge, but where you find it, and ser- where it still lives in certain pockets or places, or within different people, it seems like the Lakota held on to um, a lot a of lot traditions. More. Yeah, like, uh, they, they seem to somehow. Um, so, people from other tribes, you know, if they if they've lost theirs, they might seek out something like going to the Lakota and say, "Hey, you know, can we show us the way that you do it?"
2: Mm-hmm. Can you uh, explain um, what is involved in uh, sweat lodge? What, what? Because uh, I have no idea what happens. The procedure.
1: Yeah, uh, <clears throat> there's commonalities too uh, in the structure. So the sweat lodge is a circle, and um, just like the teepee, right? And mm-hmm. this uh, symbolically, uh, the circle. Um, there's lots of symbology and representation in it traditionally like the sweat wasn't wasn't uh, for women oh really Um, traditionally now now Mm -hmm. today uh, uh, women attend sweat but also if you think about it women had their red red tent kind of thing going on you know because of the monthly cycle Mm -hmm. right had a way of naturally cleansing and purifying their bodies and men don't have that ability. Um, so, if you imagine a low dome-shaped uh, tent with, um, and, and if anyone's listening and corrects me because if I make a mistake, I'm sorry, but I, I'm trying to remember everything. Um, but there, and then it's made of willow. So there, and I'm trying to remember exact number of willow uh, that go. From for the structure right and I won't say the number but sometimes it might depend on the size of the lodge too but you know the number is significant and then they're they're gently and slowly bent to make the dome shape so then you weave this, this the willow into the shape of the lodge mm. and you pile on mm. it would have been buffalo hide but today it's like put on a tarp and blankets and as much mm-hmm. so you can hold the heat in the center there's a pit, and then usually out the door. It's usually it should be facing the east, uh, traditionally, because everything, you know, we face the east the beginning, then dawn of a new day. And there'll be a fire, not far from the opening of the of the the lodge, and the and in the fire there are the grandfathers. Uh, so are these, so they're stones that have been gathered, and they're, they're getting super hot, right? They're they're going to be glowing red, and the grandfathers generally are, are collected near rivers. They're kind of like lava rock. If, oh. if you look at their, their makeup, they look they they kind of Cat lava forest. like. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: And um, n- numbers and cycles and everything's important. So you with the sweat, there's four rounds okay, and four rounds, there's four seasons, mm.
0: um,
1: so whoever is, if you've been to a traditional one, you go in, you, you might talk a bit, you might share a meal, a traditional meal, like just a light meal, not a lot, because who wants to throw up in a sweat lodge, because <laughs> it's <so laughs> like too full, big turkey like, dinner, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're not going to like, it's just a light meal, all right, mm-hmm. so, you know, not like, and uh, share in a light meal and, and, and talk a little bit, and then there's uh, an assistant outside who uh, will bring the stones into the center. And when, as they're preparing, that you know they're dropping uh, sage and cedar on the, uh, you know, and and <coughs> today's usually like a man and a woman, and the women's seat in the left side of the lodge, and the men generally sit on the right and you know guys are like usually like in swim trunks or something and women are like in the, just a just a very light gown or something like that and once uh, whoever's running it the the, the Pora, he will say I want so many grandfathers to be in with so maybe before you know there's just a, there's a method and a reason to it and if if this is done in integrity then, the poorer, the the, the the leader, the head of this this uh, lodge, he's going to pour for the weakest person there. You know, we've heard of uh, some tragedies and things going wrong, and this, where this ceremony was bastardized, you know, to, uh, to turn it into some kind of competition. That's not the idea of the sweat. So, <clears throat> when it's being done in the right, in a good way is looking out for the weakest person there and he's not he's not going to give them any more than they can handle he's, he, he's not we're not here to kill each other we're here to, to to cleanse and to be with spirit so you bring the rocks in uh, You open sacred space at the beginning which is universal I don't care where you are in the world what tribe what people um, the pipes part of the ceremony mm-hmm. so the, the the pipe, the medicine pipe is part of this buffalo skull for for this tradition. Um, bring the stones, and then and then the doors are closed, and there should be like no light in this lodge. and 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 it's almost like you're going back to the womb of the mother. Oh. So you're like you're back in the womb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you you have the smells of like cedar and and these beautiful smells. and then, You start pouring water on the rocks. And it starts getting like really hot. Really, really, really steamy. (laughs) Yes. And I tell you, you know, if it gets too much, you know, trying to get down close to the ground, Hmm. you know. If you get in trouble, it's okay. If you have to leave, you have to leave. But you know if if you get down low chances are you might you'll be okay and what happens is there's a each round has an intention and a purpose and there's a reason for each round and there's prayer right? there's a prayer and then immediately once the water starts this there's, there's a drumming and the song starts and you don't even have to know the song or what it is but if you've heard native drumming and singing it's just beautiful yeah. and sometimes there's something about it that is it's like you know it even if you don't really know it, you know, and just kind of hum along or do what mm-hmm. you can, uh, you know. And it's like the drumming and the singing kind of carry you when you probably would want to tap out, you know. It's that community of, like, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, it. I feel like it gives you the strength to make it through the round, you know. It's like you're being supported in the singing. And then when the song's over, the door opens, you know, at least in this particular tradition, and you can bail out for a little bit, you know, cool off. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's usually like by the second or third round, it can get really intense. Mm -hmm. You you're like, oh, good Lord, uh, this is too much. (laughs) Why did
2: I do this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But no, you're
0: going to be right.
2: How long does each round last? Or is there a specific amount of time?
1: For the round,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the round is uh, for usually for a song. Uh, okay. How long the song drags out—that's that's another story. Um, I've been to some where they've done four songs. I think four is too many, but one song for a round feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then you take a break. So then <clears throat> the whole thing, the is four rounds, um, and and each one has a intention. You could be praying for people, your family, your loved ones, your relatives, uh, yourself. Uh, this, th- there's a method to it, and so it, at the uh, the end, it concludes. So you've had these four rounds, and it's it, to me, it's like this is the indigenous church. Right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've gone yes. back to to the mother. You've you, you've uh, you've sweated out. Uh, your 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 demons, your negativities, your your heavy energy. You know, you've you've, you've really cleansed yourself. and You've been in prayer and in, in this tantric kind of state with the drumming and the singing, the the the, the, the chanting kind of singing. And um, at the end of four rounds, uh, you know, it, that might take a couple hours, or you know, it takes a bit of time depending on how fast things move along. Mm-hmm. And for example, the first time I went, I did it on the blood reserve, and, I, and it was really intense. And I happened to just so time it where I had the opportunity to do a sweat on the next day. Right? And of course, you want to drink water when you're doing these things mm-hmm. too. The first day, it was it was rough, and I w- and I said, oh, I don't know if I ever want to do this again. The second time at the other reserve, I did it, and it was probably just as hot. But what you got to know is, like, <clears throat> because I had already sweat, I had already been kind of cleaned of all my heavy energy, mm-hmm. all the baggage and crap that I'm carrying with me, right? All that hoochah. So when the round, when when this finished, and I'm looking around, I'm feeling great on this my second sweat. I'm looking around it's just and this carnage all around me that people like laying on the ground oh. that look like they're dying it's like <laughs> and I'm like well what's wrong with these people because I feel good mm-hmm. but I felt good in my mind because I've already been th- I went through it the day before mm-hmm. you know and now I'm coming to this ceremony you know with a light spirit with a light heart you know and it, it just makes a difference because that's it's like that's the end result that, you know, you've been lightened through this ceremony. You know, and now, now you're ready to take things on that, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was like, bring it on. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: they must have thought, Jesus, this guy's one tough one.
1: <laughs> they didn't know I already been cleaned up the yeah. day before. So, yeah, <laughs> and the more stuff that you're carrying, and the and the more energy, that's probably going to it's it's going to take a toll you on out? you, yep. but in a good way. In mm-hmm. a good way. So, uh, so that's my experience with sweat, anyways. And usually afterwards, it's followed with a, a, a really nice potluck dinner or something. And oh, it, nice! It, it's a, a, a one- I wish that it was everybody's church. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you could do it in the in the right way, in a good way, um, it, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: Is it always, uh, you said they use sage and cedar? Is it always sage and cedar that they use? Or does it?
1: Yeah, well, it's sweet grass is part okay. of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe there, there might be a few other things to sprinkle on. Maybe mm-hmm. some pixie dust. I don't know. See, whatever you got. <laughs> those are the staples, right? Those are yeah. pretty much, the, you always got to have that.
2: Those are the universal ones again. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Well... I think we're going to call her here. It's been almost okay. two hours.
1: We've been sharing it that long. Yeah,
2: it, it just like the other night when we spoke. It doesn't seem uh, like that much time has gone by. You, um, you're soft-spoken and easygoing and down to earth, and uh, just time just doesn't seem to to move when when we're talking.
1: Well, that's good, but the <laughs> only problem is I didn't tell you a single ghost story, a single experience. <laughs> We
2: can do that for the next time that I have you on, if, you, if you're if you willing one. to come on.
1: Yeah, not a one. Like, how your listeners are going to be impressed when they didn't even hear <laughs> one ghost story? Not even one.
2: <laughs> well, they'll have to uh, stay tuned for uh, your next episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, no alien stories, no Bigfoot stories. Like, come on. What is this?
2: <laughs> so why don't you so tell, uh, sorry, say again.
1: So hopefully yeah if we if we get to do this again maybe oh, we can Oh for sure. Uh, yeah. Stay focused and yes. just go <laughs> stories just supernatural stories that's it.
2: Well I I've, I've branched out. I like I mentioned the other day when I first started I just thought paranormal was um ghosts and then I realized no it's not just ghosts it could be uh cryptids like Bigfoot or uh, Mandela effect or you know any strange occurrences anything that's just not normal or what we consider not normal can be
1: paranormal so um, yeah, I've, I've branched out. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Oh, you were going to ask me how someone might find me?
2: Yes. You read my mind.
1: That's because I'm a shaman. No, <laughs> <That's laughs> I you were going to ask that.
2: Yeah, we discussed it earlier. <laughs> yeah,
1: not, uh, not, not that good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, uh, on Facebook, um, uh, my full name, you can find me Leslie James Hart uh, Shaman. Um, so I'll I'll share things on that. I I do a little paranormal page, uh, Heart Paranormal, and you do Paranormal Heart.
2: I know that was so, so. When you first started following me on Instagram, I think it was, and I'm like, this is th- like the the inverse, like Paranormal Heart and Heart Paranormal. I like, this is amazing.
1: <laughs> and I just did it as uh, well. Because your story. name. Yeah, well, right. And so instead of using my last name, I just said, I'll just use heart because that's, you know, yeah. synonymous and sounds, it's better to say heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah and so we're just the inverse. So yeah. there's that, I got a, a page and a group uh, for that. And also I have a, uh, a website called Ed. It's by my name, but if, if the the URL or the is the shaman healer warrior, dot mm-hmm. com, Okay. And then my mug will pop up from. But uh, there's some stuff on there, but I, I need to get adding more material to it. Um, and I'm available uh, for, you know, to do one on one healing sessions. I'm available to do uh, consults with uh, groups or people who are individuals or families who might be having some kind of paranormal activity. Uh, I, possibly I might be able to do some. Uh, I'm intuitive. I might be able to get some information, more further insights, and might also be able to help uh, come up with a strategy to kind of, um, you know, it's it, you know, like the commercial, you know, they tell you, you, you might, you have a problem, you know, mm-hmm. and then, oh uh, well, okay, now what? You know, like We're just here to tell you you have a problem, and we yeah. see you later. So <laughs> my, end, uh, my angle would be more like, well, what can we do? What can we do to help the family? What can we do to uh, improve the situation in some way? Uh, you know, create some peace. And, um, so there's things that as, as through the shamanic tradition, uh, that, that, you, uh, ways that I might go about trying to help, uh, the spirits or, or kind of improve things in, in whatever way we need to, to do it. So, and, 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 and for that kind of stuff, I, it's not, I don't charge or anything. So, Oh, nice. It's, it's, you, you know, uh, in most things, there's a lot of things you can do, like either gift the guidance, um, you know, or maybe do something long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the rare case where it would require um, being there in person, you know, if it's, you know then maybe a donation or something because it could be expensive to travel or whatever. Yeah. But, um, At least this, a cup there's of coffee. Few, <laughs> Yeah, there's few things where you can't kind of intervene or help out from a distance. You know. So,
2: and as usual, yeah. I will be adding the links to the show notes so um, people can just click, and it'll be easy for them to find.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I love talking about this stuff, and I'm always willing to help people if, if I can. And um, I love uh, that's another conversation. But I worked for a while with the John of Ottawa Paranormal, and I enjoyed that collaborating and, and adding to the. The whole experience, like if I there was some details or things that I could add a little additional information, I always enjoyed that. So it's fun for me.
2: It's neat how um, in the paranormal community, like you know John and I know John, and he lives a couple hours away from me. You're in the states, uh, you know, but we're all connected. Yeah, you know, we all we all work together.
1: It's it's interesting how we come into. Might be soul groups, you know. That's a that's a theory, right? That we yep. travel in soul groups and we end up meeting people of, of our of our soul groups, and one lifetime after the next. But that's all. That's Definitely another another, another topic. <laughs> there you
2: go. Well, thank you that's so it. very much, Les. I'm I'm really happy that you uh, agreed to do this interview, and it was a it's lot of a, fun.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this, and I, I enjoy it. So, thanks for having me. I appreciate well,
2: thank it. Thank you. Just hang tight. I'm just gonna. Say good night to the, uh, or good morning, or wherever they are to the listeners, and we'll just chat for a couple minutes after. So uh, thanks again, and uh, take care. Thank you. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show, or have questions and comments, Just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.
1: Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to purpleplanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants.